Good morning and welcome in Jesus' name to our service today. If you are visiting, special welcome to you. Also welcome those of you watching online today. It's our prayer that the Lord will encourage you and strengthen you as you worship with us today. <clears throat> Just a couple announcements. The youth of our church will be doing some leaf raking on October 30th and November the 13th. So if you are interested in having them rake your leaves rather than you doing it, uh, let us know. There's information in the insert of the bulletin. And this is a fundraiser for them for the various camps that they are involved in. Last Wednesday evening, we started a new study, Wednesday night Bible study on the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you're interested in joining us, we meet here at 6.30 on Wednesday evening. Now, many of you are probably aware of Pastor Paul Nash's passing yesterday. Dear friend of many of ours, and uh, we pray for Lori, his wife, and their family as they mourn uh, his loss. All to worship today is taken from Isaiah chapter 12. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done excellent things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One. Of Israel. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are a great and awesome God. And you are the one who has done excellent things. You are the one who has provided salvation for us. You have given your son Jesus to be our Savior. And the hope that we have today, Lord, is because you died and rose again. And you offer to us a living hope through your resurrection. And Lord, we pray that that would be uh, the, the hope upon which the Nash family is standing today, rejoicing in that promise, Lord, that there is life in you. And so we pray your blessing, O God, upon this service. We pray, Lord Jesus, that your name would be honored and glorified in this place. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I you to stand as we begin this morning. Yeah. 
reading this morning is found in Romans 15 verses 1 through 7, reading in Jesus' name. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord and and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. For the glory of God. Here ends our scripture reading. As we are in the presence of a holy God, we also acknowledge our sin before God. I invite you to bow together and confess our sin. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation and the city which is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of our merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people are called by your name. God promises in his word, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that I'm inside your hands 
Christ would be lifted high in your life. As we see him lifted high in our life, we also confess our faith to him as we gather today. I invite you to confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from where he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.
we stand before your throne, face to face, with the one who made us in your very image, Lord. We give you all the honor and glory and praise today, Lord. We pray that you would receive our worship as a fragrant aroma, Lord. May you be glorified. In your name I pray. If you were here last Sunday and you remember anything that I said, I had a five-point message. Today it's a four-point message. Don't get any ideas that then it's going to be a three-point, a two-point, a one-point, and then a pointless message. Today we turn to the book of Acts, and we're going to be looking at a few different sections there. The power of encouragement. I trust that you are an encourager, that you desire to be one who encourages others. We're going to look at a man who is a wonderful example of an encourager. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you. We praise you for your goodness today, for your mercy, for your love for us. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God of encouragement. Thank you that your word is that source of encouragement that we we look to today. And Father, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, I pray, Lord, that they would be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you had a nickname when you were growing up? Huh? Raise your hand if you had a nickname. All right. How many of you would prefer that we don't know what your nickname was? Would you raise your hand? Okay, come on up here. We want to find out what it is. No, I'm just kidding. I had many friends in high school who had nicknames, and you probably did as well. Larry was Zeke. Tom was Maynard. Brian was Dud. Steve was Knotts. Dennis was Bird. And Jeff was Pork. He had a little brother. Guess what they nicknamed him? Beans. Pork and beans, they went with together very well. One of the interesting things about nicknames is that they have a tendency to stick, don't they? In fact, there are people, some people that you probably know, some people that I know, that their nickname has been used so consistently, you might not even remember what their real name is. There was a man in our community that had a uh, a car repair shop. Everybody knew him as Peanuts. He died, and I saw his picture in the local paper website. That's Peanuts. Oh, no, that was Leroy. I thought, oh, that's what his name was. I never knew for decades what his name was, because that nickname stuck so significantly that if anybody would have said Leroy, they wouldn't have known who in the world you're talking about. There's a man in the New Testament whom we know by his nickname. His nickname is Barnabas. Does anybody know what his, should I say real name, his given name was? 
don't see any hands that are daring, huh? It wasn't pork. Did someone say pork? <laughs> his, his real name was Joseph. In Acts chapter 4, verse 36, here's what it says. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, was also called Barnabas by the apostles. And then Luke adds this, which translated means son of encouragement. So Joseph was given the name Barnabas because it described the way that he lived. He was indeed a son of encouragement. And in fact, as you read through the, the, the book of Acts, especially in other places too in the New Testament, almost every time he's mentioned, he is doing something to encourage someone. And so that nickname was fitting. I don't know if your nickname was fitting. You guess what some of mine were? Pete. That's real unique, right? Peter, Pete. Last name is Franz. Franny, so, I mean, those names were obvious, but it had nothing to do with my character. This guy's nickname said volumes about the kind of man that he was. So we're going to look at four sections of the book of Acts that illustrate why this man was given that name and how we can be an encouragement to others. Notice, first of all, we encourage the needy by giving our possessions. In the first century church in Jerusalem, there were many needy people. Because of a famine in the land, there was a shortage of food. And if you became a Christian in those days, you were often persecuted. You were often discriminated against. And so for many of these people who came to Jesus, there was a cost in their commitment to the Lord. But as you examine how the church responded to these needs, there is a wonderful illustration of love within the family of God. And Luke gives us an example of this in the life of Bartimaeus. Acts chapter 4, we read verse 36, where he was given the name, a son of encouragement. And then in the next verse, we're told that he owned a tract of, a tract of land. He sold it. And then brought the money and laid it at the feet of the apostles. So here was a very practical way in which Barnabas encouraged those who had some very significant material needs. And if you read a little bit earlier in Acts chapter 4, you can see why it was that Barnabas was willing to sell that land and, and lay it at the apostles' feet. There was a recognition within that early church that they were united together in one body. That they were were living life together. They they had that oneness in in Jesus. And a little bit early in Luke Luke chapter 4, excuse me, Acts chapter 4, here's what it says about that church. Verse 32. The congregation of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common property to them. I don't suppose you heard people saying, this is mine. (laughs) They were probably saying, this is ours. 
This is yours. If you have a need that is greater than mine, I am willing to help you. I am willing to reach out to you. That's the kind of fellowship that that early church established there in Jerusalem. Reminds me of my grandfather when we would come and and he always had root beer in the, I don't know what they call that little room. And, And Grandpa, can I have some root beer? And you know what the answer was usually? What's mine is yours. What's mine is yours. That's Barnabas, right? What's mine is yours. Now, some have suggested that this was communism or, or socialism. Uh, far from it. There was no uh, government taking money from, from one and redistributing it to others. This was a willing expression of love for fellow believers who were in need. Barnabas didn't have to sell that land. He wanted to. He wanted to give in a very tangible way to those who were in need. So let me ask you, is there someone you know who needs a practical expression of encouragement? When you give to someone in need, Another believer in need. You just might be an answer to their prayer. Praying, Lord, here's my situation. And then God moves in your heart and you respond to that. And they are so encouraged, not just by what you give them, but by the fact that God heard and answered their prayer. So we can be an answer to to someone's prayer. I read about a seminary student many years ago. Him and his wife had come to the end of their resources. and They had a nickel left. Anybody ever been at that point? I haven't. But can you imagine having a nickel left to your name? And they went to church that Sunday, and sure enough, they put the nickel in the offering. Reminds me of the widow, right, who had the two coins and and put it in the offering plate. They didn't know where their next meal was going to come from, but they trusted God. They said, Lord... Here's all we have. It's yours anyhow. So they put it in the offering. And lo and behold, after the service, there was a man in the congregation who came up to them and he handed them, now this was a long time ago, he handed them a a $5 bill. And the seminary student said, why did you do that? And the man said, the Lord whispered in my heart, that you just might be in need. So please take this money as coming from him. That's the, that's the way to give, right? This is coming from the Lord, so receive it as if it's coming from him. I read about another guy that put a $20 bill in his pocket every Sunday, and when he went to church, he said, Lord, who do you want me to give this to today? Well, that was a few years ago, too. Maybe it needs to be a, a Ben Franklin huh, or a Andy Jackson. Andy Jackson, that's a $20 bill, isn't it? I forget, because my dad used to call a dollar, he called a dollar a frog skin. Because it kind of looks like frog skin. Then he called a, a $5 bill a V, because that was the Roman numeral, right? And then I think a 20 was an Andy Jackson. Wouldn't that be interesting if you just put a $20 bill in your wallet and you came to church every Sunday, Lord, who needs this? 
Who do you want me to give this to today? That's a practical expression. And that's what we see in the life of uh, Barnabas. Notice, secondly, we encourage not just the needy, we encourage the lonely by giving our friendship. Giving our friendship. In chapter 9 of, of Acts, Luke tells about an event, an event that really changed the course of history forever. That was the day that a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, who was on his way to Damascus to gather Christians to persecute them, Jesus met him on that road and transformed his life. You know the story, right? Did you know that Barnabas had a huge impact in the beginning of Paul's ministry? Barnabas was there to encourage Paul when many wanted nothing to do with him. And you can probably understand why. The Jews, they viewed Paul as a traitor because he had abandoned their Judaism and was following Jesus, so they wanted to kill him. He had been persecuting the church severely, so he comes from Damascus to Jerusalem, and what do you think the Christians are thinking? Oh, great. Here he comes. Yeah, the persecutor of the church. Yeah, pretending he's a believer now so he can come in and destroy us. And so he had nowhere to turn, and he, uh, he needed someone to be there. And so we find Barnabas in Acts chapter 9, verse 23. It says, when many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him, with Paul. But their plot became known to Saul. They were all also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. When he came to Jerusalem then, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But then verse 27 of Acts 9 says this, but Barnabas I love this expression, took hold of him, right? And brought him to the apostles and then described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, that he had talked to him and how at Damascus, Paul had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. So when Paul needed someone to bring him into the fellowship of believers, guess who was there? The son of encouragement. Barnabas. Is there someone you know who needs to be brought into the fellowship of believers? Is there someone that you know that needs a friend? Someone with whom you can be that son or daughter of encouragement. There was an English publication several years that years ago that offered a prize to the best definition of a friend. Here's where some of the uh, answers. One who multiplies joys and divides grief. One who understands our silence. A volume of sympathy bound in cloth. A watch that beats true for all time and never runs down. Here's the definition that one makes you think of Barnabas. 
A friend is the one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. That's what Paul was facing, right? He had abandoned his heritage, and so the Jews hated him. He had persecuted the church, and so he's coming and trying to associate with them, and they were afraid of him. And Barnabas shows up, lays hold of him, brings him into the fellowship, speaks on his behalf, and God did some wonderful work through that man, Saul of Tarsus, whom we know as the Apostle Paul. And I've often wondered how different would the early church have been if Barnabas had not been there? Who knows? But just think of that. Think of it in, in your life. Maybe you've had a Barnabas, someone who was a tremendous encouragement to you. And ask yourself, where would I be today if it weren't for that man or that woman? Are you willing to be a Barnabas? Is there someone you know that needs to be brought into the fellowship, needs to be encouraged? Thank God for men and women like like Barnabas. Notice thirdly, we encourage the new believer by giving our time. We move to Acts 11. And Luke tells us what happened when the persecution came upon the church in Jerusalem and all the believers began to scatter. And guess what happened when they began to scatter? Everywhere they went, they started talking about Jesus. So, that persecution they thought was going to squelch the believers actually caused the, 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 the gospel to spread. And so in Acts 11, verse 19, it says, So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews alone. Okay? However, verse 20 says, But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Now, the early church had a bit of a struggle with those who were not Jews. We, we know that well, right, from our study of the, of the New Testament. And so here these people are scattered from Jerusalem, and lo and behold, oh no, they start talking to Gentiles. Ooh. And those Gentiles came to know Jesus, and word gets back to the apostles in Jerusalem. Now what are they going to do? Who are they going to send? There probably would have been some of those Jewish believers that would have had a little bit of a challenge. That would have been a, a pretty big stretch to actually go and encourage those Gentiles of all, of all people. Who did they send? Who would you have sent? <laughs> I think the, the answer to that question is obvious. Barnabas. He's the one. Look at verse 22 of Acts 11. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. 
Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced. Guess what? And began to encourage them. The son of encouragement. He began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. It's no wonder they called him Barnabas, right? Every time you see him in the New Testament, that's exactly what he is doing. Now, what's interesting to notice about this is that Barnabas stayed in that city of Antioch for a whole year encouraging them. Verse 25 of chapter 11. He left for Tarsus to to get Paul, Saul. He wanted someone to help him in that mission. So he brought Saul to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So why are you called a Christian? It started in Antioch. It was kind of a term of of, uh, derision. Oh, you Christians. But I don't consider that a term of derision at all. It's the name of Jesus. And we have to bear gladly and joyfully the name of, of Jesus. So Barnabas was willing to take a whole year out of his life. Spent there in Antioch. He wanted these new believers to grow and, and to mature in their faith. And, and God honored his commitment there to encourage them. Because look at verse 24 of Acts 11. For, it says, for, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. Don't you love that? When people get right with God. People come to know Jesus. Their life is transformed and there are those who come alongside them and encourage them in their walk with the Lord. Do you have a heart for new believers? Have a desire to see them discipled and and grow and, and become more like Jesus? Our church mission statement is proclaiming Jesus that all may follow Him. That's our desire. Not just that they would come to faith in Him, but that they would walk with Him and follow Him and and serve Him. I was reminded of this when we planted grass seed in our yard. You don't just put the grass seed down and say, good luck, right? You water it and you fertilized it, and even protected it from grandchildren and things like that. Put up a little fence so they're not just going to be stomping all over it, you know. And I have to say, with all humility, of course, that grass did well. And our neighbors, they were impressed, really impressed. They thought I must have grown up on a farm. They were so impressed. And um, one of them said, what did you do? <laughs> so I told him the process humbly. And then another person saw it and said, you must have missed your calling. And then he paused and said, oh, wait a minute. It's probably not the right thing to say to a pastor, is it? I said, no, it was not. <laughs> but that grass seed needed some care, right? 
some loving care that might grow and mature. And uh, if you want to see a picture, I'll, I'll show it to you sometime. We shouldn't do that with new believers, right? We nurture them. We love them. We care for them. We spend time with them. And that, that's what Barnabas did a whole year there in the city of Antioch. There's one more example in, in chapter 15. We encourage the fallen by giving our support. Now, Paul and Barnabas worked together. They, they, they were one in their, their ministry, but there came a day, and this might surprise us a little bit, there came a day when they parted company. They had a disagreement. Is that possible that Christians could ever have a disagreement? Well, if you don't think so, yes it is. There are times when that happens, sadly so. And so they separated. Paul went one way and Barnabas the other. Here's how Luke describes it in Acts 15, verse 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return. And visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. There's more follow-up, right? Okay, they had been there for a year and now they said, let's go back. We need to see how they're doing. So Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with him also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord Jesus. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia strengthening the churches. Now, the issue between them was not a doctrinal issue. It was not some disagreement about, you know, the deity of Christ or something like that. It was a relationship issue. And that's often what happens in churches, right? There's, there's kind of a struggle sometimes in, in relationship. But it must have been a significant one because Luke describes it as a sharp disagreement. I don't know what went on, but there might have been, you know, some eyeball-to-eyeball conversations as they're discussing this whole issue. Paul did not think that Mark should go with them because the first time when they were about ministry, uh, he was evidently not reliable because Luke says he deserted them. That sounds like a strong word, right? He deserted them in Pamphylia. But here's Barnabas. What kind of a guy is he? He's the encourager, right? And so he wanted to take Mark with him. Probably we need to give him another chance, Paul. We need to encourage this young man. We're not just going to cast him off. And they separated. Went their separate ways. And commentators have tried to come up with, well, who's right, who's wrong in this? And it's I, I think it's kind of hard to... It's really come to a conclusion on that. You can understand Paul's perspective, right? If you're in mission work and you can't rely on your fellow missionaries, you can see why he would say, no, 
he's not, uh, we're not bringing him. And then you got Barnabas, and and actually Mark was a cousin of Barnabas, so there was a, a you know, kind of a connection there. I can picture Barnabas saying, well, Paul, just because he failed once, we're not going to just kick him when he's down. Let's, let's, let's bring him. And so, so they separated. Warren Wiersbe says, Paul and Barnabas agreed on the importance of the trip, but they could not agree on the composition of the team. Here were two dedicated men who had just helped bring unity to the church, and yet they could not settle their their own disagreement. Disturbing and painful as these conflicts are, they are often found in church history. And yet, he says, God is able to overrule them and accomplish His purpose. That illustrates the power of God, right? Because Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And so in this situation, God still worked. God still blessed Paul's ministry because verse 41 says he traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So he had an effective ministry there. And besides that, now there were two groups and not one. So they, they were covering more more area with those two groups because Barnabas took Mark and they sailed away to Cyprus. And I can picture the devil saying, we've won a victory here. We have won a victory here. There's division within the body of Christ, but God still worked. And what's very interesting about this, the time that Barnabas spent with Mark was profitable. You know how we know that? We go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 where Paul is facing the, the end of his life and, and, and people had gone away from him. And, and so Paul is writing to Timothy and, and he's describing, you know, Demas has gone to Thessalonica, Crestons to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. The only one with me is Luke. Faithful Luke, right? And then Paul says this in 2 Timothy 4.11. He says, pick up Mark. And bring him with you, for he is useful to me for the service. That is significant, isn't it? Because at one point, Paul is saying, we can't take him. He deserted us before. And now Paul is saying, get him. (laughs) Bring him here. It's obvious that Barnabas' ministry to Mark was paying great dividends even though he had deserted them that one time. Barnabas said, no, I'm not giving up on him. He's coming with me. And God worked in his life. The value of encouragement. Do you see it? I mean, in so many ways in the life of of Barnabas, how different the ministry of the early church might have been had there not been men like him. Do you think we need... Barnabases today, men and women of encouragement, people who will come alongside new believers, people who will bring into the fellowship those who, like Paul, who didn't feel like they fit anywhere. We need sons and daughters of encouragement. 
If someone gave you a nickname today that describes your life, what would it be? Would it be similar to Barnabas? Would it be a son of encouragement, a daughter of encouragement? You know what? God can transform us to make us those kinds of people. Sons and daughters of encouragement. We read from Romans 15, and there's the key. Verse 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, where does it come from? It's time spent in the Word of God that God gives us that encouragement. Then verse 5, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. When you know the God of encouragement and you spend time in the Word of encouragement, people are going to notice the change in your life. They might just start calling you Barnabas, the son, the daughter of encouragement. May God do that in our midst. I pray that we will be a congregation of encouragers in many different ways, very practical ways, meeting the needs of those who are in trouble, being that kind of encouragement. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for men like Barnabas. People who are seemingly always encouraging someone. Oh, Father, would you do that in each of our lives for your honor and your glory. Father, accomplish that in us. And may others see that Jesus makes a difference. A wonderful difference in the way that we live. And we pray in his name. Amen. I'm going to call on Lauren to sing now as we take our offering soon.
Thanks so much, Lauren. I invite you to stand as we close this morning. taken from Romans 15. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May God bless you.